Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. mindset change your life we do have some adult language and adult content so if you have kiddos or little ones now would be the time to turn it down or grab your headphones welcome back I'm still fighting the sickness and I mean I'm almost over it I just have this lingering cough and post nasal drip situation situation which is really cute. Uh, But I've been drinking a lot of tea and taking vitamin C and obviously drinking a lot of water and also trying to rest as much as possible. Last night was probably one of the first nights in the last week, almost week and a half that I've slept a solid eight hours because every time I would lay down, I would start coughing and sneezing. And yeah, so I'm already feeling great after a good night's sleep. So do not underestimate the power of good sleep and rest. But anyway, you guys have heard me say a thousand times that it's so important to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And so I wanted to give myself the opportunity to, what is that song? Walk it like I talk it. (laughs) And I was thinking of things that made me uncomfortable. And the big one is S-E-X. Yes, I spelt it sex. <laughs> Why can't I say sex without being like weird about it? But anyway, and I think I think it's a lot. I think it's it is like talking about it is is wow, I can't even say this. I think talking about sex is a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of women because we get shamed for it. Uh, there is plenty of, of examples for that, but this one was kind of like a personal thing. So I talk a little bit about this in the episode, but I was one of the first girls in my group of friends to get to have a boyfriend, to kiss a guy, and to be sexually active. And I was kind of given the ew vibes from my girlfriends or kind of made fun of it, where I think for guys, like you guys, they get the high fives, they get the thumbs up, they get the like winky face, they get the... You can't see what I'm doing. That was dumb. But you know what I mean. And so that kind of shame has always kind of stuck with me. And it made me feel like maybe I shouldn't be as open and honest about my wants and desires, which is not the place to be. And so I just thought that it would be a really great 
thing for me to be intentional and to educate myself a little bit more about just sex in general. It's a hu- it's the one of the most human things that we can do, like drinking water, going to the bathroom, sleeping. Sex is just part of our nature. And so today's guest is Tori Nicole, and she is a woman's sex health educator and sexuality coach. And she helps women facilitate intimacy in their lives and harness their sexual energy. I absolutely adore Tori. She was so down for like everything <laughs> to talk about anything and everything. She, I told her, I was like, you're going to have to take the reins of this conversation because I, this is not my scope. And she was just so willing to do whatever was needed. And she was so collaborative with me as well. Like we were messaging and texting and like all of that good stuff of what to talk about. And I even opened up the Instagram's Um, what is it? Questions feature on my Instagram stories. And a few of you asked some really good questions. Even some guys asked some questions, which I was super stoked about. And so we answer that towards the end of this episode. But yeah, I, I love this. I, Tori is just really great at helping women understand and interact with their own sexuality and really helping them get past blocks that really allow them to live a fuller life in and out of the bedroom. So this is a great episode. I'm going to stop talking because you guys know I tend to ramble and I don't want to ramble. So we're just going to get into it. All right. I'll see you guys later. Be kind, be grateful, be well, love you, mean it. Bye. there. Did you love this episode? If so, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at livingbully with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, meet you, see you, and know which episodes and interviews you're loving and finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingbully.com or check out the episode description. how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. So Tori is a sex educator and a sex coach. Is that the right? Yeah. So I usually just say um, sexuality coach, but I get lots of weird messages when I say that because I think people just hear sex and then they picture like Bill Belichick being coach, and it's like, I'm not there in your room. I'm not cheering you on. I'm not giving you plays. None of that. So, um, so, so as you can uh, as you can imagine, you get the weirdest messages from people, or people will be like, wait, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot of like ambiguity. Like, I've heard, that's mm-hmm. why I was like, I don't know what to, I put, so the whole, how Tori and I connected was actually through Facebook. I had put something on my Facebook saying that I wanted to interview a sex therapist, a sex coach, a sex expert. And I like put all these slashes because I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. <laughs> well, to be I, fair, they're all things. To be fair, they are all things. Um, they're right. all, all separate like, things. <laughs> I don't know what this is called, but like hopefully something sticks. And you got recommended like 
multiple times. So I'm <laughs> super, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm excited. I am, I am madly in love with my work, which I will explain in just a moment, but I am madly in love with it. And I am happy to stand on rooftops and shout it. So I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm here for it. But, um, but to answer your question and kind of explain what I am versus something else that you mentioned. So I am a sexuality coach and sex educator. I'm not a therapist. So what that means is that I know a ridiculous amount about female anatomy and male anatomy, and I can help educate people. Again, I don't offer you know medical advice because that's just not what I do. That's not what I am. Um, but I do help women understand patterns and um, blocks that they have around sex and how they, they can work past that to achieve um, the sex and ultimately the life that they want, just because one of my fundamental beliefs in like is that um, how our sexuality is our vitality and it affects how we do everything. So, um, and just kind of to give a little background about how it is that that happened, um, just, you know, through healing my own sexual trauma, I was able to understand and really sink my teeth into this idea that, you know, our sexuality does spill over into how we show up in our lives. And so I help women harness uh, that sexual energy that they have and use it to be the more empowered woman that I believe that we're all meant to be really. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I know that you had kind of mentioned to me about, you talked about sexual blocks and how mm -hmm. that really spills over into other areas of our lives. And I thought that that was like a really interesting correlation to make because I think sex is like one of the most natural things that we can do, right? So it's like, we mm -hmm. almost don't think about it in that way. Um, so kind of explain like what, how, give us examples, like what is a sexual block and how can it spill over into our lives? So there's a lot of things that people carry around that they don't realize relate to sex. And there's this school of thought that I kind of ascribe to now. Um, I feel like I've ascribed to it for a long time, but didn't really under or like connect it myself, which is kind of ironic until somebody said it this way. And a wonderful mentor that I've had in my life, um, told me once she said, well, she told lots of people this to be fair, but she, she, I remember she told me, she said, you know, how we show up in one area is how we show up in every area. And it just kind of clicked all in my head that I was like, that's exactly what I've been thinking with sex. Why did I not put this together? But um, our, our, this, this idea is that if you have something that you're kind of carrying around, whether it's in something, it's typically something negative, right? It's, it's shame, it's repression, it's just this feeling of unworthiness that is absolutely expressed in how you interact with your sexuality, whether it's by yourself or with a partner, um, that manifests itself in other aspects of your life. So a really easy sort of example of this is a we'll just use a woman, for example, because I work predominantly with women. I do work a little bit with couples and on the very rare occasion I work with men, but I, I work mostly with women. So I'm going to use her in this. We're going to call her Penelope just because I like to give things. I love apparently. that. So, <laughs> um, so Penelope is a 
very sexually repressed woman. She doesn't know that because she doesn't know what repression looks like into her. She's, you know, got a nice corporate job. She's running around. She's feeling pretty confident for the most part, but she can kind of work on that area too. So she doesn't feel comfortable asking what she wants or what she wants for her in the bedroom. She just kind of goes with the flow. She doesn't really enjoy it. So how does this manifest her in her real life? Just because that's a pretty basic scenario that I just described. I hear a lot from clients. So that manifests in one way that's pretty simple is her job. I know that sounds kind of silly. People don't like to think that their sex life relates to their work life, but it's this idea that if she can't ask what she wants for in the bedroom, she's not going to feel as empowered and confident to go to her boss and say, hey, I'm doing really good work. I, I, I deserve a raise. Mm-hmm. Or she's not going to feel empowered maybe to go for that promotion. Maybe she knows that somebody else is going to, and she's going to automatically start, you know, self-talking, you know, or self-negative talk to, you know, herself. That was kind of redundant anyway. Um, she's going to engage in that, you know, negative self-talk to make her feel like she isn't worthy of that. She isn't um, capable of that. She's not confident in asking for that. Um, and again, these are kind of not, it, it is real life and it does happen, but that's a pretty, you know, like remedial sort of example. that's just easy for people to understand, I think. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I want to circle back to a word that you kept dropping, which was shame. Yeah. And <laughs> feeling like shameful. And I think a lot of women feel that having sexual desires is somewhat shameful like we're not supposed like it's dirty or it's not we're not supposed to be the ones that have that desire yeah so that is something that I I'd like to I have a special little soapbox that I bring out and you know stand upon and shout from lots of times when it comes to shame um I I know that a lot of women carry around shame like it's some weird badge of honor and they (laughs) I don't, I'm not exactly sure how, well, I do know how it unfolded, but I don't know where along the line our society made it so terrible for women to be sexual beings, because we are, we're all sexual beings. Um, but somewhere in our society, we have this wonderful, not wonderful, that's sarcasm, but we have this duality between men and women, right? Where men are allowed to be these powerful sexual creatures that if they have desire, that's strong and that's something to be you know, their vitality is respected. Whereas if women have that, it's, mm, she's kind of a whore. It's like, mm, no, no, she's not actually. She's just owning her sexuality and she feels confident and she feels good. And there's, there shouldn't be any shame in that. And we have to kind of deprogram how we have worked or how our society has typically looked at women. And I just want every woman on the planet to know that she is allowed to have desires. She is allowed to be desired and she is allowed to still be respected. She's allowed to still be a mom. She's allowed to still be a business owner. She's, you know, she's allowed to be all of these things that typically if in our society, if a woman is one of those things, she is therefore not sexy or she is not desirable or she is not someone that um, can own and be confident in her sexuality, which is ridiculous because again, going back to what we were talking about a little bit before, how you show up is it it affects everywhere. So why couldn't she be a mom or be a business owner or be a teacher or be whatever and still be 
asexual being that shows up with authority and with confidence in the bedroom or wherever she's having sex because you don't have to just have sex in bedrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. No, I think that's a wonderful a synopsis of of a lot of it and it like until I decided that I wanted to interview a sex therapist like even I get super uncomfortable like I was telling Tori I was like um you're gonna delay this conversation because like obviously <laughs> sex coaching sex in general is outside of my scope <laughs> so I'm super happy to have you yeah um, you know I think there's I think that a lot of times women We've kind of been programmed, like as I mentioned that deprogramming, but we really have been programmed. We've internalized a lot of shame. We've internalized a lot of things that just aren't ours to carry that we do. We carry these things around and we've kind of internalized it because why? Well, that's what I, I saw my mom do, or that's what I heard my, my grandma told me not to talk about sex. And my grandma said, I can't say vagina, you know, or it, just all these little things that were kind of from very young ages were kind of put on this sort of path that says, okay, sex is bad. Sex is awful. Remember, don't get, don't have sex or you'll get pregnant and then you'll die. Um, (laughs) But then also get married, also have children. And it's like, we're really just setting up ourselves for really hard times that aren't really necessary. Um, But anyway, I can, I'm going to go off on a tangent. So I'm going to let you, (laughs) I'm going to let you stop me. <laughs> no, I feel really grateful that like my parents never like came up with nicknames for body parts. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's so condescending. Like personally, I'm like call it what it is. It's a penis, it's a vagina. We all have one or the other. Maybe now, you know, 2019 you can have both. Like like we don't need to call it we shouldn't be ashamed of our body parts right if you say vulva that's just quite literally the outside like you know it's the outer part of the vagina you know the the labias or the inner outer labias like that's just what it is it's just like saying you have lips on your mouth or you have fingers on your hand there's nothing dirty about it you're not you but whoever's having a problem with that is they're the ones that has an issue with it. They're the ones who's making it dirty. They're the ones who's sexualizing it. And they're the one who's dealing with a lot of internal repression. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So kind of tying back to what we were talking about earlier, you said confidence and you said bedroom, but obviously this <laughs> is like not used. It doesn't have to be the bedroom. It could be anywhere. So how do women who maybe are feeling a little bit shameful or don't really in or inexperienced or don't really know what they want. Like, how do they become more confident in the bedroom? So the first thing is something that always makes women cringe because it's again internalized repression. But the best way to know what you like and to feel confident about what you're asking for is to know thyself. <laughs> Um, you can't expect that somebody else is going to know how to please you if you don't know how to please you. So you're talking about masturbation. I am absolutely okay. talking about masturbation. I, just, I like knew what you were getting um, at, but I was like, someone out there is not going to know. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say, it. I was going to get there. Promise. Okay. But, I'm sorry. Um, no, you're completely fine. I adore that you said it before me. So um, just because uh, I, I like to kind of preface it and kind of ease into it because there's so many women that have a real, and I mean, it's, it's real life. What we're talking about right now, it's like life in action. It's women have such a hard time 
masturbating because they have so many of my clients that I've talked to when we bring this up, they, they're like, um, I know I don't, I can't do that. No, that's what, what do you mean? You can't touch your own vagina. You can't what, but you want him to know what to do with it. But that doesn't make any sense. No one is going to know your body the way you should know your body. You know, it's never going to be, it's, it's not anyone else's responsibility to figure out what makes you tick. You know what I mean? Right. Um, of course, there are people that do that. I mean, therapists work with people and kind of help them figure out things. But um, for the most part, when it comes to your body, you should know your body. And there's nothing wrong with knowing your body. There has been such a, a weird taboo around women knowing, being able to, you know, know their bodies and to be able to masturbate and self-pleasure and bring about that pleasure. Whereas men don't have that problem. No, we have, like it's we totally whole, normalized for guys mm-hmm. to talk about what they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have, we have a whole trilogy of movies dedicated to male masturbation. American Pie was oh, a was huge gonna, hit. That was like, so funny. I was just yeah. going to say, are you talking about American Pie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, it, but even then, if you think about it, it's a movie quite literally about masturbation and about somebody trying to get laid, like a guy trying to do that. And the, I really, the only time it is brought up in granted, to be fair, I haven't seen American Pie in like a decade, but, um, I'm pretty sure if memory serves, the only reference really of female masturbation is um, Willow. I'm told, I know that's not her name, but Willow from Buffy, <laughs> um, where she's like, oh, this one time at band camp, and it's kind oh. of just alluded to. Yeah, but, I haven't seen the movie in a really long time. Either. I know, I haven't either, but I, was, I remember when I brought it up one time, and I was like, they never mentioned it, and then I was like, wait a minute, one time at band camp. So yeah, it's mentioned, but <laughs> but it's not something that is overt right and she's also kind of the weird girl because she's doing this right so she's kind of got this kind of stigma around her which is absolutely how it happens in real life if you know if a woman or not a woman well a young woman a teenager or something I remember being a teenager no girl was ever talking about this we all knew that boys masturbated we all knew that it was almost expected and that there were you know the horror stories of oh no mom walked in on me kind of thing but girls, no, we don't talk about masturbation. No, but no girl touches themselves. No, she's, she's better than that. She's, she's clean. She's pure, you know, she's not gross. And it's like, wait, what, what, why is, why is she gross? And he's not. Right. Right. And I think I mentioned this to you, like in our previous conversation, but, and I want to get back to like other ways that women can feel confident yeah, in the yeah. bedroom, but I, when I, I think when I was growing up, I was probably one of the first girls in my friend group that I don't want to say promiscuous because I feel like that has no, you weren't promiscuous, like a negative you... connotation. But I was like the one of the first girls to like have her first kiss, and like I was one of the first girls to lose her virginity. Like I was kind of like. You were feeling urges and you were satisfying those urges. Right, <laughs> right. And I exactly mean, what you my mom was super cool. Like I told her when I started having sex and I feel like my girlfriends totally shamed me. Totally. That's too bad. For, for it. And so it became something where I was like, oh, then I shouldn't talk about 
who like who I'm hooking up with like but yeah it's it's interesting how like those patterns I feel like are established especially Mm -hmm. at that at that age yeah you took you you had an experience and this is just kind of like I don't want to say psychology 101 because I'm again I'm not a therapist I'm not a psychologist but I remember this in psychology because I did have to take them (laughs) those classes in college but you you had an experience, you had a negative reaction to it, you felt something that was bad, and you said, your brain said, this does not feel good to me, so I'm not going to do that. So that was a learned behavior very quickly, right? We don't like to feel bad. We don't like to feel pain. We don't want to have these negative experiences. We don't want to have our peers judge us. So mm-hmm. your brain just said, okay, well, let's not tell them. And so now as an adult, you still have a hard time talking about it, which is completely understandable because you had such a bad experience with it. <laughs> like, right. that makes sense. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So what are some other ways that women can feel more confident in the bedroom? So women have to understand that they, they have the power right? They really do. I know that there's probably some women that are going to be listening and be like, no, no, I don't. Yes, you do, girl. I promise you do. Um, So you just have to, it takes practice. You have to start communicating. If you want to feel more confident, you have to start practicing. And I, again, this is not masturbation, but you have to practice self-love. And what I mean by that this time, as opposed to masturbation, is quite literally, you have to be in love with yourself. I know that sounds kind of like silly and a little like out there for some people, but you have to, self-love is a practice both like literally and metaphorically. So a lot of my clients will come to me and they'll say something like, you know, I don't feel confident in the bedroom. I, you know, I don't feel like I, I look that good. I have extra weight maybe, or I just had a baby or, you know, whatever, whatever their, their thing is that reflects in how they show up in the bedroom. So they want to feel confident and they want to kind of own that. So they need to, they need to quite literally start practicing being comfortable with themselves. And that's just women deciding that they're not going to let how a mirror or how a scale makes them feel. And again, that's kind of out of the realm of sex per se, but it's still very apt cool because it's it's affecting that it's affecting their sex life it's affecting how they're able to show up so it's something that I like to say it's kind of baby steps but you have to almost like get up in the morning look yourself in the mirror and say I am beautiful I know that sounds so simple so basic Hey, Brie here. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I know how valuable your time is, and it means a lot that you're listening to this episode. If you've been listening for a while, or maybe this is your first time, it would really mean a lot and help out the podcast if you could drop a review or a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you really love this episode and know someone who could cough, cough, hint, hint, (laughs) find some value from listening, please share it with them. Thanks again for listening and let's get back into it. So it's a practice of self-love. In this time, it's not the literal sense. It's a sense of being able to quite literally embody what they want to feel. So they need to 
confidence doesn't come like people don't just wake up and you're like, how uh, I'm going to be more confident today. It's something that you have to practice, you know, and that's why I always suggest to people kind of start small. If you're really feeling unconfident or what's the word? Yeah. Unconfident, not confident. (laughs) Then you have to kind of work up to that. So take baby steps. When you wake up in the morning, find something every morning that you like about yourself. Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe it's your hair. Maybe it's your boobs. Maybe it's whatever. Um, find something and just be like, you banging. Like quite literally, you have to tell yourself these things. I know it sounds kind of silly, but it works. I promise you, I am the poster child of this. When I when I walk into a room, I'm like, I know I might not be the prettiest girl in the room, but to me, like I'm banging. <laughs> you can't touch this. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to like own that. And it takes practice because trust me, I, I have been the girl who is not um, very confident. I've been the girl who's like, mm. so and we'll kind of just kind of like sit in the corner, kind of quiet, be like, mm, I wish my hair looked like hers or I wish I had that body or, you know, like, you, you don't have to engage in negative self-talk. That's a choice that we make. So it's a choice also to make the opposite, right? It's a choice to say, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to really just love the fact that my eyes are this color green. I'm going to love that and I'm going to own that. And my eyes are beautiful. I'm beautiful. And you just like, you quite literally fall in love with yourself. You find ways to, to do that. Like you think about things that are positive and good for you. And you also, at the same time, like while you're starting to be grateful and listen to, you know, your positive self-talk, you're able to start feeling like just more confident. And if there's things that you want to do, I'm never really a person that's ever going to tell somebody they have to lose weight or they have to change their body or gain weight or whatever. But I honestly think that people should do whatever makes them happy. So if you're a woman who says, I'm really uncomfortable with my body, well, you start practicing self-love, the metaphorical one, not the physical one this time, (laughs) but you start practicing that self-love. And part of that self-love can be, I'm going to make the active choice to not drink my energy drink in the afternoon. Instead, I'll drink, you know, an extra cup of water. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be, I know that sounds so remedial, but people want change to happen quickly and they have to realize that it doesn't always happen quickly. I can wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to stop drinking coffee and I'm going to start eating better and I'm going to exercise and my brain just got really overwhelmed. So I'm going to do nothing tomorrow when I wake up. You know what I mean? Right. Change has to happen kind of slowly. So they have to practice self-love and they have to make a choice to well, whatever that looks like for them. Maybe it's not eating better. Maybe it's actually having Cheetos, whatever works for them. Like, that's okay. My point is it's something that they have to practice. And then another thing they can do, just because I feel like I've gone on about that for a little bit, but it really is important, I promise. Um, Something else that they can do is practice being more vocal. A lot of women struggle so hard or so much with actually talking in vocalizing what they want. I promise you, when you go from being someone who just kind of is like, okay, this doesn't really feel that good, but all right, I'm going for it, I guess, or he's going for it because this ain't going to get me anywhere, to, (laughs) no, babe, I need you to do this. 
I promise you that by itself, like when you go from there to that and owning your, like owning your pleasure, that by itself is a confidence boost, just alone being able to be like, hold on. I just told him that I wanted it like this and he did it. And I feel amazing. That's the best orgasm ever. That one, that one that happens, like changes your life. Guys are, and this is a general statement. So of course not every man is like this, Right. but men for the most part, ladies believe this or not, men for the most part, and some women too, again, I don't like to be, I don't like to, to separate into genders, but, um, most people want to like, like men want their partners to have a good time unless you're just with a total jerk, you know, but for right. the most part, men, like most people want their partners to be, to have an enjoyable time. You know, I don't think that there's ever been a time in my recollection that I've been like, Hmm, I really just want to have sex. And I have no, I have zero desire or I have zero care about him. Okay. Maybe once or twice, but you know what I mean? Like, for right. the most part, people want to have a good time and they want others to have a good time. I know I'm certain, and again, we don't have to talk about specifics of people's sex lives here, but think about, listeners, hypothetical question here for you. Just think about a time that you were, you know, having a good time in bed and if your partner was enjoying it too. I bet you most people are going to be like, you know what, that's probably true. Of course, there's going to be people who are like, I was really drunk or I was really this and I didn't really care. Of course, those things happen. But for the most part, if you're in an you know, active relationship, you want your partner to feel good. So I think that that's something that guys really do care about. And as long as you vocalize that to them, they're going to really respond to it because it's also kind of an ego boost for them right like yeah well and we're gonna get to we're gonna get to some questions in a couple minutes (laughs) and I will I like this was such an eye-opener to me because I opened up um like like questions feature on my Instagram stories and I got a couple of guys sending me questions and I was surprised that guys were like how do I get my girlfriend to orgasm? Like they were so concerned about their partner. And I was like, this is shocking. Yeah. <laughs> like it was not what I was, what I was like expecting. So that definitely supports that theory. Well, and it's also, that's also kind of a, a boo for how society has kind of made us, all of us kind of internalize how men are too, right? Men are mm-hmm. just either angry or happy and those are the only two emotions they have and that's not accurate at all and it's also this idea that well men don't really care as long as they get off that's all that matters well yeah maybe sometimes that's true or maybe but to be fair that's also true of women there are times that you know you're just like I really really would just like to orgasm right now I don't I don't really care okay I just that's what I want okay (laughs) you know um so it's it's definitely something that men care about because it's like I was saying, do you, do you want me to go ahead and answer this right now? Actually? Yeah. Let's jump into okay. the question. So one of the first questions, let me read it. Hold on. Let me find yeah, no it. Problem. Is. Oh shoot. That wasn't the one. Hold on. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. So one of the questions from a gentleman was, um, 
I can make a girl orgasm very easily when I perform oral sex on her, but it's much harder for me to make her orgasm when having sex. Any tips? Yeah. So this is something that a lot of men don't necessarily understand. Well, to be fair, a lot of women don't understand their own anatomy either. The reason why (laughs) oral sex is so much more pleasurable for some women, not all women, but for some women, the reason why they prefer for oral sex is because the clitoris, which is, you know, that little kind of bulb pea-sized thing right at the top of the, um, the top of the vul- or the outer or inner labia. Sorry, I'm completely spacing on now I'm <laughs> telling you about it. Hello. Um, so it's that kind of, you know, pea-sized little thing at the very top, right before the opening um, or right at the top of the opening. That little spot has over 8,000 nerve endings. And to put this into perspective for guys, any guy listeners out there, your entire shaft and head of the penis does not have 8,000 nerve endings. So if you can think about the size difference, there's so much more um, sensation that women feel right there. In that tiny little area. (laughs) in In that tiny little area. So it's very intense. And that's actually why some women don't always like it is because it is really intense, but I'm, I digress. Just hot tip if your girl's like, hey, <laughs> not what about it's just because it's very, very sensitive. Right. And just to like also, because this was like another question, it wasn't even a question. It was like multiple people had this where they were like asking, like, is the G spot real? Yes, the G spot is real. However, it depends on who you ask. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> The G-spot, so here's, so I'm going to go back to this clitoris because a lot of times people will say, and it's funny, I made a post about this one time, um, and I wish I was reading it right now because it'd be easier to, to read, but so every, technically, every orgasm is a clitoral orgasm. The reason why is I wish I could show you, but I'm like making this little like finger sign with like a clitoris with my thumb between like my two fingers to make it look like the outer lady or the vulva. (laughs) um, So that clitoris that's at the top there, I feel like I need a a whiteboard or something, but the clitoris that is there, um, that little bulb that has all of those nerve endings that makes it so sensitive for women is just quite literally the tip of the iceberg. If you were to look at an actual, like the the full gland, it actually goes inside and it has these two kind of bulbs that, you know, kind of are inside of her. And it has these long legs that have lots of nerves that kind of fall off or not fall off, but kind of flow out. And the the base essentially like where the, the clitoris kind of grows from, so to speak, is actually the G spot. Like that is, so it's all technically you know, related, but it's just different sensations in different areas and different concentration of nerves. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. I didn't even know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that's a good answer. I wish I could like, I'm like trying to like picture a diagram in my head. I can absolutely send you a diagram (laughs) if you'd like to, or I can like tag you. I can make a post about it. I post pictures or like I can put in a story or something. (laughs) Well, no, that was like a a super popular question. Is the G-spot real or like, I don't know, there's something else, like some other ones. And I was like, okay, I feel like maybe I should ask this. The U-spot, yeah. Right. They're technically all real. They're just different. So what all it is, is just different areas of like concentrated nerve endings. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they feel different. Some women, they absolutely feel different. Some women will say like, 
it does, but, um, and other women will tell you an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm <laughs> because an orgasm happens actually in your brain. Like, yes, you feel a sensation, but it actually happens in your brain because, um, all an orgasm really is, is a physical release of tension, like muscles. So as a woman is orgasming, it's uh, that just kind of like release. And then the real magic happens in her brain. That's when, you know, um, oxytocin is released and it's, you know, that's that feel good hormone. So you get this nice little burst of oxytocin in your brain. That's this chemical that's releasing and that's why you feel so good. Interesting. This is so educational. I'm glad that like, (laughs) I'm even, I'm learning a ton of stuff. So the second question from a guy that I want to ask you is this. So a guy often wants to know how many sexual partners a woman has had before him. I know personally this is important to me, but you can't exactly ask outright, what should we do? You're absolutely right, guy that's asking this question. You can't ask that outright. Here's why. It's really none of your business. I know. I know guys all over the world just now kind of went, oh, but um, it's really important for men to understand that when they're kind of imposing that on women, they're doing nothing to help sort of destigmatize women's sexuality. And I promise you guys, when you have a woman who is doesn't have shame and doesn't carry around all this awfulness around her sexuality and is turned on and is there and is confident, you're going to have so much better sex. I promise you promise. Um, but it's not there. Like women don't have to meet some sort of quota, you know, or not quota, I guess like women don't have to have some, you know, below three. And my question would be, okay, gentlemen, do you feel like just divulging every partner you've had to, to, to her and if she doesn't like your number and she sees you less how would that make you feel are you less of a person or less of a lover or less of a anything because you've had more than five partners more than 10 partners more than 20 partners right it's all kind of it's all kind of arbitrary and it's it's also not something that matters in the aspect of I would, I would ask listener or question asker, um, I would ask yourself, because this sounds like he might need to have, you know, he might need to think about what this means for him. And I would ask, why are you tying purity? Because that's essentially what he's asking for, right? He's asking for a woman who's not been tainted, so to speak, by too many men. Um, why, why is that so important to you? isn't the intimacy that you create together, like quite literally by knowing her and intimacy in the aspect of emotional intimacy, not just physical, isn't that more important than if she's slept with five guys, 10 guys? And where's the line, you know, like, so if she slept with four guys, but not five, that's okay. But six, that's too many. Like, right. Like what is the, what is the, the scale per se? And also then that changes for every guy, right? Because some guys might say, hmm, well, 10, that's a good number. 15, that's too many. But Jacob over here might say, you know, I'm a strickler. I really only want her to have less than three. If I'm number three, I'm, she's out. You know what I mean? Like, that's so, that's, ugh, it's icky. <laughs> but, um, it's also, it's just, it's not relevant. 
it's not anything that is going to really change who she is as a person. And I don't know, maybe I'm calling myself to the carpet on this one, but I think I'm pretty awesome as a person and uh, you probably wouldn't like my answer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everyone is, every woman is different with like the amount Mm -hmm. of guys that they've slept with. I don't think like, even if you've slept with two guys or three guys or four guys or five guys, like, or even women, like if you like what your sexual experience has been your sexual life has been is your own business. And I think it's a level of comfort with like how you feel. Like some women are way more sexually explorative than other women and that's okay. They shouldn't be judged just because like they like to have different experiences than someone who maybe doesn't like to have a lot of sexual partners because they like more intimacy rather than more partners and that's okay too. So I think that is the the gist of what Tori and I are getting at in this entire episode <laughs> is like you do you don't boo. shame women. Don't <laughs> right. shame women. It's bad yeah. people. Don't right. shame them for having sex because nobody is shaming you for having sex. And if somebody is, they don't get to shame you either. <laughs> like, right. Um but and also you you brought up something that I think is kind of interesting too, just in, when you were saying it, you said, well, maybe she, however many guys or girls she slept with. Okay. So what if she identifies as bisexual or what if she was just curious? Maybe she doesn't identify as bisexual, but she still has slept with females. And okay. So if she slept with two females, does that count in her number or is it only men? Is it, um, you know, and there is a sense of, I think most guys, when I've had conversations with men about this, and I remember, you know, being in college and kind of, I've always been, not always, I can't say always, that's not accurate, but for the most part, I've been pretty open about talking about sex, not necessarily my sex life, but just the concept and, you know, the theory of sex. And I know that was, that was something that men would kind of, or guys in college would kind of talk about was just like, eh, well, it's almost like a dominance issue. It's kind of like a, I don't want to, I don't want too many guys to have had her, you know? And it's like, you have to let go of that ownership. Her sexuality is hers and she gets to have it and she gets to do whatever she wants with it. And you as just a random man in her life or potential partner in her life doesn't get to dictate that. Right. Well, and I think, and not that I'm like defending or, and I'm like trying to play Switzerland here as the host, but (laughs) Like, I've also had conversations with some of my guy friends. Some of my guy friends are really cool, and they're like, I could care less. Like, I should be thanking her partners before because now we get to have really good sex because she had practice. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, hallelujah. (laughs) Um, That's good. And then I've had other guy friends who have told me, like, well, then I don't feel special if she slept with, you know, more than X amount of guys, then I just feel like I'm not special. Well, my dear, if that is the case, dear listener, if you don't feel special, you have to realize it is not her job or her sexuality's job to make you feel special. You get to do that on your own and get to practice a little of that self-love I was talking about earlier. Um, And also, they have to realize that the number, like we we have to divorce this idea of women's sexuality be, or being in their worth being tied to their virginity or to their purity or how much or how pure they are. 
Does that make sense? We have to very much divorce that today. Yesterday, actually, it needs to be done. Um, that cord needs to be clipped. Um, it's also not men's fault all the time. I know that it's easy to kind of yeah, well, they get conditioned into these things exactly. as much as we do. Exactly. And they kind of buy, in, and we buy into it too, right? That's why that's why girls don't really have sex or want to. That's not true. We have plenty of sex, but we don't admit it or we don't, we feel shame about it, right? It's because we too have internalized this notion of, oh, if I have sex with too many partners, I'm less than, I'm not worthy. I'm my, you know, my partner won't like it. He won't feel special. Well, my dear, it's not your sexual, like I said, it's not your sexuality's job to make your partner feel special. It is your partner's very much responsible or your partner is very much responsible for feeling secure in himself. And it is his partner, if his, if his partner is a woman and she identifies as such and all that, um, it is her job to come to the table as an equal and for you guys to grow and create that intimacy together. That's what makes you special. What right. Well, special I think it's how you make her feel and how then she turns around and makes you feel her sexuality and the number of partners she's had doesn't have to do that. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, like, I feel like it ties back to the first point we made about how sexual intimacy, whatever, bleeds into other parts of your life. And I think if, like, a man is judging you based on how many men you've slept with or partners you've had because he wants to feel special, that pressure of making him feel important and special isn't just going to be in the bedroom. It's going to be in other areas of your relationship. And, and if you want to, if you want to deal with up. that, that's on, that's you, you know, like, <laughs> and also, but that's affecting him, right? That's his sexuality manifesting or, or his issues with his sexuality manifesting in other places, right? It's his inability to feel complete himself and his inability and now that's, like I said, that's, that's in his sex life, but that's absolutely going to show up in how he feels like she has to emotionally support him or, or vice versa, you know, like that happens too. It's not just men, right? These aren't, these things aren't just for men to deal with and they aren't just for women to deal with. This is everybody's issue. Right. So let's do like two more questions. So this one is another good one. Kind of made me laugh. <laughs> Um, so the question is, I walked in on my boyfriend watching porn. I have walked in on my boyfriend watching porn multiple times and I hate that he watches porn because it makes me feel like I'm not enough for him. Is it wrong that I ask him to stop or is it something guys do naturally? So my, my, my answer is going to be twofold. Most of my answers are twofold, (laughs) but that's okay. Um, so first is, it is okay, it is always okay for you to express something, any desire that you have while in a relationship. That is always okay. What isn't okay is that you just expect that they do whatever you're saying. It has to be open communication. It has to be you secure enough in yourself and confident in your relationship to go to him and say, hey, babe, this really bothers me. Could we talk about this? It shouldn't be, in my humble opinion, a demanding, you stop this, this is bad, because that's only going to shame him and make him feel like he's doing something wrong or dirty or, you know, and suddenly he's internalizing these things. And that's not fair to him. Mm. That's exactly what we're talking about here about (laughs) having, you know, women having shame, right? Right. So 
he, it should be an open conversation and you have to kind of come to the table with an open mind and say, let's talk about this. Is there a reason? And she might find out, I'm assuming the, I'm assuming that the, the question is being posed by a female, um, but she might find out that he's just saying, well, I just like it because it's been a habit. It was something that I did, you know, in college and when I wasn't with somebody and, you know, like maybe that's just what he does or that's who he like. Men are very visual. That's part of the reason why kind of going back to men being um, kind of natural pleasers in the bedroom when it comes to that or when it comes to like wanting to please their partners. It's because it's a, men are very visual with their sex drive and what they respond to, which is also why women don't necessarily um, have that same desire to watch porn. So I'm not going to general, or I'm not, I am generalizing it, excuse me. I am generalizing it a little bit in regards to sex just because the male brain kind of works like that. They, they are visual. That's why porn doesn't always do it for women or all women. Um, we need more mental stimulation. Um, that's why if you've ever noticed, how many trashy novels do men read? Zero. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> we are. No, but it's true. Um, it's kind of, and, and again, not to say that men don't read them, but it's kind of like a woman's thing, right? Like it's kind of women that read them. Like the audience is geared towards women. And the reason for that is because women, um, I'm not, and I don't mean this, this might sound bad, but it's not, I promise it's not an insult to anyone, but women need more mental stimulation right? We like to read the story. We like to have it described so we can try to picture it. We don't necessarily want to just see it. Like we don't really want to see like a vagina just there, you know, right. it's not really our jam. Um, again, not all women, but lots of women um, need that mental stimulation. And that also plays out in how we have sex, right? Women, most women are actually more, there was a study, I forget what it, where it was exactly, but there was a study done about foreplay and many women in the, the study were actually more turned on by foreplay and the thought of foreplay than they were actual sex. I've heard this. Yeah, it's be, well, that's be, that's, it's just how our brains are. Like, and I can't tell you that. I'm not a neurologist. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and that kind of plays out. I mean, if you think of it, that's a great example, actually. How, yes, male strippers are a thing, but it's predominantly women that are strippers. Not to say that women don't enjoy looking at physical things. Right. And there are some women that, abs like, porn is absolutely their jam, and that's okay. Like, different strokes for different folks, and you get to do you, boo. So that's okay. But um, that's just kind of how the male brain, most male, again, I'm generalizing, not every man, but um, that's just how they're, 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 they, they're programmed to kind of be visual, right? So porn is, of course, very appealing to them because it's, well, it's visual. They get to quite literally watch somebody have sex and they go, okay, well, this is exciting. And they're aroused by that. And they can masturbate or they can then go in and have sex with you or whoever, or, you know, um, but women don't always. So the answer to, this is a very long-winded answer. I apologize. But um, the answer is, like I said, twofold. She needs to be able to communicate that with him with an open mind and not expect that he just change, right? It's, it's not our job to demand that our partners change to fit what we want. And the second is she has to kind of have a level of maturity there to be willing to, for him to say no, right? And it, again, you have to be 
I, I, I mean, again, this is my opinion, but if you're having sex with people, you need to be mature enough to understand that they have wants and desires too that might not always align with yours. And you guys have to be mature enough to talk about it and come to an agreement. Absolutely. Just like you shouldn't be having sex if you get embarrassed buying condoms. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely can do that. And by the (laughs) way, it is as much as I don't think that it is a woman's sole responsibility to have birth control methods. Like I'm not saying she should be the only one buying condoms or she should be the only one taking birth control or, you know, what might, but what I am saying is that a lot of times women kind of think like, oh, well, if I'm taking the pill, his job is the condoms. He uses it. No girl, you can absolutely buy condoms. You can absolutely have condoms in your apartment. You can absolutely take ownership of that because you are being mature. You're making sure you're protected and there is nothing wrong with responsibly interacting with your sexuality when you're doing so with a partner. No, I've had tons of girlfriends who, like, have condoms in their purse and, like, condoms in their yeah. car. And, like, I mean, you I never just, know when the need will arise. Yeah. Or, like, if your friend is like, I need a condom right now, like, they're you usually never like, know when the deal or when the need will arise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why so, we have such big purses. <laughs> yeah. We carry lots of things. Um, no, I mean, I absolutely. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just like exactly what you said. Like, you have to take responsibility for your own body. Um, and whether like, I mean, guys always pull the like, oh, I don't have a condom. And that's like the perfect opportunity for you to be like, well, I do. Here you go. Yeah. And you don't have to put yourself at risk to not feel embarrassed that a clerk sees you. And by the way, there's so many sources of self-checkouts. A clerk doesn't even have to see you buying them if that's really a thing. But again, to your point, you should be able to, like, if you're engaging in sex, nobody's going to, at least nobody should be shaming you for practicing safe sex if yeah there's a problem with you practicing safe sex they have problems not you yeah. it's always more about them it says a lot more about them than it does you mm-hmm. okay so the last question is I mean I kind of feel like exactly what you were saying that they all kind of tie down to tie into communication but she says um I've been seeing a guy for a few months and we've only had sex three times but he's not doing it for me like at all I really like him but I feel like we just can't have good sex well yes these all have to do with communication the first (laughs) thing is going to be have you told him that have you asked him I know, I know. It's really, really uncomfortable when you first start talking about sex with people. It's really, really uncomfortable to be like, hey, babe, you're kind of, this isn't very enjoyable for me. It's uncomfortable. It is. Promise you it's going, the the return on investment of that minor feeling of discomfort is going to bring back so much pleasure because when you are, this is the thing about sex. Sex is a practice. People are not inherently good at it. Okay. People think this or fail to realize this all the time. People think that if you are good at sex, it is because you are just good at sex. And if you are bad, it's just because you're bad and that is it. That's all that there is. And there's no, you have no control over this. No, it's a practice. You have to, well, actually practice it. But the thing is, sex is kind of one of those things you need feedback on. You can practice it all day long, but if nobody tells you, hey, you're not doing it and I don't like it in this position or you're not quite hitting this spot or, you know, that's too much pressure here or, you know, whatever, 
you're going to keep doing it because that's all that you know, and you're not getting any feedback. So I say this um, quite a bit now. It's kind of become like my little mini catchphrase. Fake it till you make it does not apply to orgasms <laughs> because if you, and think about it, like th this applies in, this also applies in real life, right? If you are doing something and nobody tells you like say say you say you say you're making your boyfriend a sandwich. You make him a ham sandwich with mayonnaise, lettuce, tomatoes. Here you go. And he gets really mad after like a week. He gets so mad. I hate this. While well, why you you find out he doesn't like ham. Well, it wasn't your because sandwich you never making asked. ability. Yeah, it wasn't your sandwich making ability. It was quite literally the fact that you never asked him if he liked ham. You just assumed, so because you ne he never gave you feedback, you didn't know that. You're like, well, how the hell am I supposed to know that, you know? So um, people just have to realize that they have to communicate what they want and, you know, be willing to, to have those conversations because if you are given feedback of, hey, this isn't really what I, this isn't what I like. I would prefer it like this. And they start doing that. Guess who gets to start having orgasms? <laughs> <laughs> so one other, like the other thing to this is I've heard this from like some of my girlfriends as well is like, sometimes it takes a few times having sex with a new partner to like get really comfortable and like get into like I don't want to say rhythm, but, like, get into, like, some type of, like, synergy. Like, I don't even know if I'm like, articulating this well. Like, it just takes them a, a minute to, like, warm up to – that's not even the right word. What am I trying to say? Am I making any sense? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just, like, hit it out of the ballpark and it's, like, well, not even – Yeah, there's you – know. no, that's not an issue. But other times I feel like you kind of have to get comfortable. Yeah. And that's, that's with anything that's, you know, that's meeting new people. That's learning, you know, what people like, what they don't like. It's just like, well, any other aspect of the relationship where you're learning if you like turkey or ham. <laughs> so um, it's, it's just, if we're engaging in sex and we are willing to make that decision that is actually there, there's risk involved in sex and if you're if you're willing to be taking on that risk you have to be willing enough to be mature and talk about it absolutely well thank you tori can you tell everyone where they can find you i'm going to include all of the links in the episode description so if you're on itunes you can just swipe up and all yeah. of her links will be there and you can just click and find her but for everyone else, where can they find you? And can you tell us the name of your Facebook group? Yeah. So I do run my Facebook group. It's, it's searchable. You do have to answer a few questions to get in. So please do that. <laughs> but um, it's Empowered Boudoir. Um, it's not photography. It is just a group of women. And um, I am at um, on Instagram at empowered.boudoir and my website is empoweredboudoir.com um, and then I also have my own podcast where I just talk about women's sexuality a lot because that's what I do um, it's called that sex nerd chick so yeah that's all, that's all the things well thank you so much for being here yeah thank you so much for having me and if you know anybody has any questions they're always free to reach out <laughs>